Today's episode of The Labor of Love is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code Real Simple at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace, build it beautiful. Today's episode is also brought to you by Organifi Green Juice. You can get all the benefits of juicing without the hassle. No shopping, no juicing, no blending, and best of all, no cleanup. Labor of Love listeners can get an additional 20% off by going to OrganifiShop.com slash love. That's OrganifiShop, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I-S-H-O-P dot com slash love. And use the coupon code LOVE. Welcome to The Labor of Love, a podcast about marriage, family, and making peace with the people we live with. I'm Lori Leibovich, editor of realsimple.com. Choosing to say I do is arguably one of life's biggest decisions. It's also one of the hardest to prepare for. Many of the thorniest issues that face committed couples, pooling finances, raising children, the frequency of sex, aren't easy to prepare for during the dating phase of a relationship. So how can partners make an educated decision about whether or not to spend the rest of their lives together? Joining me today is one ambitious couple who tried to test their compatibility before getting married. Jill Andres and Brooke Silva Braga created and participated in 40 challenges that simulated some of the issues that ultimately break up marriages. They wrote about these experiences, which ranged from lunching with their exes to borrowing a baby in their book, The Marriage Test, Our 40 Dates Before I Do. Hi, Jill. Hello. Hi, Brooke. Good to be here. Okay, so as someone who's been married for 14 years, I thought this was the smartest way to prepare for marriage that I could have ever thought of. And I give you guys so much credit. So I wanted to get that out of the way first because I kept imagining (laughs) what would our fate have been had we done these 40 exercises. So it really makes you think whether you've been in a long-term relationship or not. So before we get started, give us a little background. You were together for a few years, you broke up, then you decided to do these challenges before taking the step into marriage. Tell me a little bit about those years and and what happened. Do you want to start, Jill? Sure. Brooke and I actually dated for several years some time ago. We kind of met through a mutual friend and had just so much like chemistry and such a like strong, wonderful friendship that dating or not dating really wasn't an option, right? Like we tried to just be friends and it didn't work out. But unfortunately, just really liking a person and having great chemistry with them is not enough to make a relationship strong. And ultimately, we did break up. And I think both of us thought we broke up for good. I mean, we were dating other people. We really moved on with our lives. And then about a year after we broke up, we kind of reconnected. And that like friendship and chemistry was there. But a lot of the baggage had kind of, we'd moved on and it felt like those wounds had kind of healed. So we gave it another shot. And I think that's probably why we were willing to put ourselves through this test, because in order to really feel confident, like we were ready to be married and be a couple forever, we just wanted to make sure we kind of hadn't made the same mistake a second time. So what were some of the things that tripped you up the first time? Well, so to be perfectly frank, one of the really tough ones was we were great friends, but we actually weren't great like sexual companions like we 
you know, like we had a fun time, but it just never felt like that like heat and passion mm-hmm. was there. And so I think that was for a really long time in the back of our mind is like, have we made a mistake here? Should we just be really good friends? Yeah. And I would add, I almost see that as a symptom of a larger thing, which was we had a lot of trouble speaking honestly to each other. I, I know myself and I think Jill as well. If something was bothering us, we just wouldn't say it. And so, yeah, the, the sex was definitely one place where that came out, where we had this problem but didn't have the means to get past it. And I think that is a lot of what appealed to me about this, both in concept and then when we executed these dates. They forced us to confront all these things that no one wants to confront. And we were not naturally good at that. So having some structure to get us in the habit of that was really helpful. So who came up with this idea and how did you choose these 40 challenges? So we actually came up with it together. One day after work, we were living in Washington, D.C. at the time. We decided to go kayaking. We had our phones away. We're just kind of hanging out with each other and started speaking kind of frankly about where we were at this point in our relationship and, like, what were the things we were still scared of. And the idea of testing ourselves kind of just, like, we sort of came up with it on the spot together. We immediately came up with a couple silly ones that really got a spark. One of the first ones we came up with, which was probably one of the craziest ones, was go out with each other's exes, you know, figure out – do they have good things to say about each of us or bad things to say? Like, kind of what is, like, that relationship like? What might we learn from that? Yeah, and uh, that turned out to be one of the hardest ones yeah. for me because <laughs> Jill's ex, we went out with him first, and he had never met anyone as good as Jill in all the years since and had no trouble explaining why. Well, I mean, it's kind of understandable. <laughs> and then we went out with my ex, who spent 90 minutes talking about all the ways her husband was better than me. Oh, so God. that was, like, not great shakes for me either. So wait, so this is, let's just, I just want to make sure everyone's clear. So it's not like you went out with your ex and to make sure that you weren't still in love with him. And you went out with your ex to make sure you still weren't in love with her. You decided that it was going to be like a double date, you guys, with the ex, so that what was what were you hoping would happen? Well, so originally, actually, we had hoped to do a total perfect double date where we would bring my ex and his ex all to the table, the four of us. Insane. Oh, it's totally crazy. And our exes were like, no. Was, yeah. No, that doesn't sound very fun. <laughs> but I think um, so for some couples and a little less for us, but for a lot of couples, there is a lot of question, right? Like, are people really over their exes? And what I was really hoping to get out of it in meeting Brooke's ex is, did he treat her well? Like, what does she have to say about him? Are there things that concerned her about him that maybe I've had like rose colored glasses on that I'm not seeing, even though I know him so well? And I don't know if Brooke had like some other Well, I thought it was good for kind of seeing what our deepest ingrained relationship tendencies are, the extent to which we kind of have the same relationship over and over again, where I behave similarly in every relationship or Jill might. And then also, and this part was more surprising to me, you know, I dated that woman 10 years before. And I think, thankfully, one of the takeaways for Jill was that that woman had dated a different guy 10 years before than Jill was dating now. Was that a relief? for everyone. Huge relief. And in yeah. fact, it was really strange to be in a situation with this, with this woman he dated who was awesome. Like she was fun and smart and really pretty. And I'm like, okay, if I'm going to be compared to some exes, like she's a good one. But yeah, she was describing a person that was a, a different person. And about halfway through the date, I actually got a little emotional and almost like defensive because I just wanted her to know that Brooke wasn't that person anymore. And like she was describing who he was in his early 20s. And yeah, he sounded like kind of not a great guy, but he's come a long way since then. And so I just for some reason felt this desire for her to know that. 
I'm curious, did you have any feelings for her when you were on that date? Not romantic feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) No, I had feelings like, I think I like, I I felt a little bit badly for how I treated her, but I think the main feeling was surprise or confusion over the grudge she still, still seemed to be holding. I was like, this was a long time ago. We didn't date for that long. I dated her like six for six months, maybe nine months. Mm-hmm. And she still seemed to be affected by this in a way that made me think, if she's still affected by this, how many other people have I like had a, some type of relationship with that impacted them more than I really understood? Brooke, what did you learn from meeting Jill's ex? I think I learned that Jill didn't have to do quite as much growing as I did or different, maybe different growing. Jill was always a good girlfriend. And maybe to some extent, Jill's problem has been that she's been too good a girlfriend, who certainly back in high school when she dated this guy, and even I think the first time we dated, did not speak up when something was bothering her as much as she might, which can be really nice as a boyfriend for a while. But I think part of like what we were getting at with these activities, it's it's not a long-term way to you know run a relationship, is not saying what's bothering you. Because of course, something's always going to be bothering you, and if you don't have the you know, way to discuss it, that's going to be a problem. So I would say one of the things that was most interesting to me about your experiment was your taking on a friend's infant and sort of practicing parenthood, which obviously isn't really going to give you the full picture of parenthood, but does simulate some of what the really crisis of identity <laughs> is when you have a child after being single and in a, in a couple. I have found myself that that is not that is the one thing that I could not have even imagined what I would have been like as a parent or what my husband would be like as a parent. And yet it's what we do together yeah. for eighty percent of our relationship is parent together at this point. So I want to know what you feel was the most interesting learning from taking that baby for a while. Well, so this is a great example of a date where there was, like, really high moments and really low moments. And I think it's no mistake that it's one that involves kids. Right. (laughs) But on the high side, you know, this was really the first time I, as a very long-term girlfriend of Brooke, ever got to really see him care for a baby, ever got to see him kind of flex those fatherhood muscles. And so this is, like, almost like a game-changing type of date for us because it was so clear throughout this date Brooke is a natural with kids. He wants to be an involved dad. Like, he wasn't scared to try things. And it was, like, the first time I ever got to see him as maybe, like, possibly the dad of my future children. So that was kind of emotional and really lovely. What did you see, Brooke and Jill? So I saw that Jill (laughs) will be. And this didn't surprise me. One of the things I write in the book is almost the first week I met Jill, I pictured her as the mother of my kids. She, like, just exuded this you know, wonderful maternal energy that was like everything I, you know, would just fantasize about. This was long before we're dating or long before kind of everything we've talked about. Um, And that was confirmed, spending the time with this nine-month-old Jack. But in addition, unfortunately, she was also really bossy. And she, I mean, neither of us have had kids. She thought that she knew everything about how we should take care of Jack and, like, this is what's wrong with him and he's crying because of this reason. And at the end of the weekend with him, I was like, if we're going to do this, you need to treat me as an equal parent. Like, I don't want to get, you know, run around. I don't want to get, you know, dictated to by you for I don't even know what reason. (laughs) Well, what's crazy about that is I swear before he told me that, I was, like, telling my girlfriends, like, 
we borrowed this little baby. We were such good co-parents. Oh, my God. It was like <laughs> we were such a team. We were totally on the same page. And then he comes to me and is like, I felt like you were condescending. I really felt like you were running the show here. And it's such a perfect example of why you need to do these types of tests because I would say that I'd like to be a great co-parent and I thought I was being one. But in reality, with Brooke as my partner, that's not how it really played out in reality. And also when it actually happens and we actually have a kid, it'll be way too fraught to like have that discussion then. Yeah. I'm sure we'll have that fight then as well, but I'm glad oh, we had will. it. Oh, you will. Don't worry. I'm yeah. just going to say, almost will. certainly. I'm glad we got to have it when Jack was back with his parents and we were watching <laughs> football or something. When we come back to The Labor of Love, we'll be talking to Jill and Brooke about sex. Today's episode of The Labor of Love was brought to you by Squarespace. I spend a lot of my day online probably way too much, both with my job and all of the social media sites I go to when I probably shouldn't. And I'll tell you that if I get to a website that looks ugly or isn't easy to navigate, I immediately shut it down. Who has time? And that's why I love Squarespace, because the websites that they design are easy to use, they're beautiful, they're gorgeous, they have simple lines, and it's a pleasure to be on them. If you're going to spend time online, spend it on a Squarespace site. And if you want to build your own site and you don't think you have any skills, don't worry. They're easy to use. Even I can use them, and I don't know how to code or anything, but I do know what looks good. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code REALSIMPLE to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. Jill, at the beginning of the show, you you talked a little bit about how your chemistry together wasn't so strong when you were in the first part of your relationship before you broke up. We tend to think of chemistry, sexual chemistry in particular, as something that is either there or it's not. And that if you can't find it at the beginning, it's never going to come rushing back. How did you deal with that question of maybe this just isn't us? And how do you work around that? So that question gave both Brooke and I horrifying stomach aches for, I think, about three years the first time we were dating because it's like, how can you love someone so much and have such a great time? And then when you go to be romantic, which which should be the easy part, it's like, oh, oh sorry, whoops, I'm. am I supposed to do this? Is this what you wanted? So I, I fundamentally think that is one of the core reasons we broke up because we just couldn't talk through something that wasn't there. What was amazing is we break up for a year we come back together and like almost out of nowhere, sexual chemistry existed. And I think it had a lot to do with the fact that going from friends to lovers was a really hard jump for us originally. And it just produced all this baggage that we really struggled to discuss and we never really could work through. And so breaking up and coming back together had given us that time to kind of like break those old habits. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about your sex tests. So we actually kind of tackled a couple different ideas here. So one of them is that it's actually really hard to be honest with your partner about your preferences or about what you're feeling in your sexual relationships. So one of the first ones we did was called sex notes, where for a week we took notes on how things were going. And at the end, we sat down, lit a little candle to make some sort of (laughs) ambiance, and then just kind of let it rip. Like, here's what I like that you do. Here's what I wish you would do differently. I've never told you this, but... And so that was, like, really great to make you feel more vulnerable and closer to your yeah. partner and kind of tell them what you want. Did you come up with that idea or did did you read about that somewhere? 
I think we just came up with it. Mm -hmm. And that was like a symptom of a problem that we had before. So it was like almost like a test to say, have we really moved past that? Like, can we really talk about this in a way that's productive? And then the other dates we did were sort of like designed to simulate you're in a long dis- or long-term relationship. You're going to have sex X number of times a week. You're probably going to do the same stuff over and over again. How can you kind of push yourself to make sure that you're keeping it like different and spicy because you can't just have the same type of sex every single day and both really be satisfied in the long term. So for one week, we had to have sex every day and it had to be different every time. By different, do you mean location? Different? Could be different locations. Positions? We kind of didn't. No, positions is cheating. Yeah, that was a little bit of cheating. But it's like, you know, a hand job or like. In a friend's bathroom, that counts as different. Yeah, Yeah. that that definitely goes under. Sorry, mom and dad, if you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't their bathroom. (laughs) Right. Um, And then we did one that was kind of fun where for every scene, like sex scene we saw on TV or read about in a book or saw in a movie, we had to reenact it. And so, again, it's kind of like just be different and like put yourself out there and push it. And then I also think the real test was – how much and how varied sex we were having when we weren't in the structure of these dates. So we kind of waited to see a month, a couple months, a few months, to what extent it had taken. And And did it? Yeah. 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 In fact, we just repeated the one where you can't do the same thing every day for a week. (laughs) So I'll have you back on the show after you've had children, and we'll talk about this (laughs) and how varied your sex life is. Yeah. Well, I think one of the philosophies that I certainly have is – your relationship is going to have high moments and low moments, and you almost need to, like, put away some, like, good feelings and goodwill and good chemistry for those moments where, yeah, maybe you just had a baby and you're both exhausted and you kind of hate your partner a little bit. Well, you have, like, $100 banked away that you can come back to. I like that philosophy a lot. You're listening to The Labor of Love. When we come back, we're going to talk about trading credit cards with your partner. It's pretty early in the new year, and I've already failed at one of my resolutions, which was to eat more vegetables. But I have a new way of getting those veggies without all the hassle and the chopping and the cleaning, and that is Organifi Green Juice. One of the best things about Organifi, besides the fact that it comes to your door and besides the fact that it doesn't require any cleanup or any chopping— is that listeners of The Labor of Love can get an additional 20% off by going to OrganifiShop.com slash love and using the coupon code LOVE. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I-S-H-O-P dot com slash love. Organifi is so confident you're going to love it, and I am too, that they're going to let you try it completely risk-free for 30 days. Yes, you heard me right. They're going to let you try it completely risk-free for 30 days. Backed by an empty bottle guarantee. If you don't like it, even if you send an empty bottle back, you're still going to get your refund. Go to OrganifiShop.com love and enter the coupon code love. Again, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I-S-H-O-P dot com slash love. So... This date, this experiment that Brooke and Jill write about in their book might have been the one that terrified me the most Mm -hmm. in thinking about my own life. You both traded credit cards and used them for a month and then came back together and talked about what you learned about each other's spending. Go. It was really interesting having Jill's credit card in my wallet and surprising because 
I found it really hard to buy anything, and I think Jill felt this too, knowing that she was going to buy it, it just felt wrong. Like there were things that I knew I could afford, but they just seemed weird to buy. And I mean, the For other example... thing... Really, just about anything. It, and actually, it was especially early in the month. As the month went on, I kind of just embraced the premise and just put it out of mind. And mm-hmm. as Jill, I'm sure, is about to point out, I ended up Spending. feeling very free. <laughs> um, but it was also at a time where uh, I, w- I had just started freelancing and uh, had a much more irregular income. And Jill has, like, a very good-paying job. And I was kind of having to deal with so what does it mean in like a larger sense to have your girlfriend or your wife buy your stuff and what does that mean for the decisions I make can I be less frivolous do I not get to lose money at poker night because I'm losing Jill's money right like we're saying we've always said we're partners and it doesn't matter who makes money and whatever but when it really comes down to it being someone else's money that really makes an impact I had the same exact feeling that Brooke did. At the start of the week, it was almost impossible to use his card. Like, the first purchase I made, I think, was on, like, day three. And I was hungry. And instead of buying this nice yogurt that I like, I'm like, <laughs> I'll buy this really crappy kind I hate because it's half the price. You know? And he's right. Like, over the course of the month, I got a lot more comfortable with it. But what I learned through it all, and I had never thought about this before— I didn't like giving up my privacy of how I spend my money. Yeah. I had never really thought about the fact that, like, when how I spend my money is my business. And, you know, whether it be, like, a sandwich at lunch or whether it be, like, a manicure if I feel like it or a gift for someone. And so I, for the first time in my life, I realized just how loaded this money thing is where you have a partner and you are you are wedded and they know exactly what you do with your time and with your money and it's giving up a lot of yourself. And part of what made that interesting for us is we had gone into these money dates with such a strong conviction that we we're going to just 100% share. And we had talked to friends who are our age and recently married and older people who had raised kids and had grandkids and many of them had what seemed to us these really bizarre ways of splitting money where they had separate accounts and this one pays the mortgage and this one pays the kids tuition and they have a separate slush fund for clothes and what and we're like this is nuts you're married it's your it's all your money just put it in one account and by the end of this month we're like okay like (laughs) maybe there's more to this one of the things that struck me jill maybe because i related to it maybe just because you talked about how you had to reconcile the fact that Brooke spent more money than you, but he's also someone who often loses things. And so there was the <laughs> anger about the amount of spending coupled with the fact that you weren't sure if any of these purchases would be around for very yeah. long. <laughs> so that's like the, another fascinating part of this experiment is like, I've known Brooke is terrible with his things. Not only does he lose them, but, like, he'll, like, grab a laptop and be looking for something and just, like, throw it behind him. He's very careless with this thing. I've never lost anything expensive, though. I will say that. (laughs) You've broken things that are expensive. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, it had never really bothered me, though. I just kind of always thought it was, like, a funny quirk of his personality. Then he's spending my money, and I'm like... You gonna hold on to that umbrella that you just bought? That's thirty five bucks. Are you gonna leave it on the subway like you always do? And he did lose it. He, he? Did, of course, he lost it. <laughs> <laughs> but it like was the first time I had a little skin in the game, and a cute little quirk of his personality all of a sudden was like, this is kind of really annoying because could he use that money elsewhere? Or now it's just being wasteful, which kind of gets to like my values, right? So one of the things that you have a 
a really adorable video on your website for the book in which you both decide to face a fear. And (laughs) that was one of your dates. And you went skydiving, which was Jill's fear. I did. And you went scuba diving, which is Brooke's fear. What was that supposed to teach you besides just fear, (laughs) abject fear? Well, so I think what I really liked about that date, and I did not like skydiving for the record, but what I really liked about the date is... There are things in life that we're all scared to do, risks we're scared to take. And part of having a a great partner is that they're going to push you to take the risks that you should take, right? So we kind of went to the extreme. He made me jump out of a plane, which I'm not sure if my parents forgive him for yet. (laughs) And then I made him do something I really like, which is um, scuba diving, which he didn't really care for. And it's kind of like a metaphor for what I'm hoping that the two of us continue to do for each other over the lifetime of our our love. (laughs) In reality, most couples that are considering marriage aren't going to recreate all of these challenges. I'd certainly give you guys credit for doing it. As I said at the beginning, it's just an amazing it's an amazing feat, but it also is such a smart idea. If couples are thinking about marriage and can't do 40 dates, which are the handful that you think were the most critical? So I really think it depends on the couple. And we do we have a little tool on the website where you can kind of mention some of the things going on in your relationship and it'll spit back a handful of dates that uh, might be especially good for you, the marriagetestbook.com. But the kind of catch-all, there's a few, I guess, dates that I would say that almost any couple, whether they're considering whether to get married or in another phase of life, probably can get a lot from. And one we've mentioned is a date where we recorded a fight and then played it back and listened to it. And you're, you're making an expression, Lori, that uh, you should be making because it was hard and lousy and yeah. whatever. But it was also super helpful because it's so different to listen to yourselves fight when you're not in the middle of a fight. You can hear yourself. You can hear your partner in a way that, at least for me, it's very hard to do when you're in the middle of trying to prove you're right and she's wrong. <laughs> so that, that helped us. And I think we actually do fight a little differently after doing that date. And what did you learn? We learned, and I'll say it because it'll help prove that we've gotten better, that when we get in a fight, I shut down and Jill does all the talking. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're watching this video. I easily said 10 words for every single one that he says. (laughs) And the minute he's like, but I really think that we should do it this way. I'm like, well, then I have a reason why that we shouldn't. Like I, So I really am trying now to kind of zip it up. And I have to ask that after completing the tests, was it obvious to both of you that you were the one for each other or did you still have some reservations? I don't really believe in the one, but by going through these dates, I mean, he's like so awesome and such a great partner and I learned so much about him and we have so much fun and when we fight, it's really not even that bad. Yeah. So I felt when it was time to kind of make that decision, there was almost like nothing in my being that felt like Brooke wasn't a great partner for me. Yeah, I'd say no reservations. And, you know, that moment when you've been dating a long time and you're thinking about getting married, it's a terrifying moment because you have so much to lose if the answer is no. Like, it's the hardest time to be honest about your relationship because we were living together. Our lives were entirely intertwined. We had already broken up once. We knew how awful that was. And I think that's common for a lot of couples. It's a really hard time to be honest. But I think the act of being honest and going through all these ridiculous things, when we came out the other end of it, 
there was like a level of confidence and certainty that was very reassuring. Yeah. I want to thank Jill Andres and Brooke Silva Braga for being here today on The Labor of Love. Their new book is The Marriage Test, Our 40 Dates Before I Do. Thanks, Jill. Thank you. Thanks, Brooke. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining me today on The Labor of Love. If you have a domestic quandary and would like to be a guest on our show, or if there's a topic you'd like us to cover in a future episode, please email us at tlolpodcast at gmail.com. I'd like to thank our producer, Kristen Meisner, and our engineer, Tim Einenkel. If you enjoyed the episode, please review and subscribe on iTunes, where you'll also find three more podcasts from Real Simple. You can subscribe to The Labor of Love at iTunes.com slash Panoply or at Panoply.fm. I'm Lori Leibovich, and I'll see you next time on The Labor of Love. <laughs>